Hi, I'm Jennifer Wilde, and you're listening to Sober Exposure. If it's about recovery, we're going to cover it. It's like one big therapy session, but it's free. So thanks for joining our dysfunctional family as we uncover recovery with Sober Exposure. Let's go. Hello and welcome to Sober Exposure. It's another edition. And I had the pleasure of spending five days with this man in Sedona, Arizona. And everyone, I believe if you're a Sober Exposure fan, everyone saw the Sedona pictures. And that's when I came out with my relapse. So it was it was pretty compelling. And I met Bill through Joy, who was my yoga instructor many years ago, and I got certified in yoga. And Bill, I was the worst yoga instructor ever. (laughs) It was terrible. It's okay. Like, I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses. It was hilarious. I was so bad when I did my, what's it called when you're, uh, you have to like do it in front of the entire class, like you're practicing. Practicum. Yeah, my practicum. So I did this thing called Floyd Flow Yoga, and I did it to Dark Side of the Moon. Nice. And it was it was pretty cool. But the thing is, like, I like fell. I, I remember sneezing and I spit on one of the other students. It was like. It was not very zen. So anyway, uh, Joy and I have been friends for years. I have this one crystal and I, and Joy is like her name. Joy, I, I say Joy is like Christmas every day. You know, you know, what I mean? she's just like she's just so bright and her spirit. And I could just go on about it forever. But. This is my joy crystal because I got it from joy and it has um, these two eyes. And so let me just introduce, ladies and gentlemen, Bill. OK, yay. So before we go into everything, um, because this is a recovery show, this is maybe a joy question because joy knows a lot about crystals. What is it that um, amethyst and recovery? They say that amethyst and recovery go hand in hand. Amethyst is the recovery stone. Sure, absolutely, and uh, I think that the reason is the, especially the purple amethyst, is so strong for the heart center. And as addicts, and especially uh, while we're out there using, we have that shrouded. We still have that strong heart center. Hmm. Uh, there's something in the amethyst crystal that allows that to open. So perhaps that's why you were called to that particular crystal, and um, hopefully that's still working today, opening the heart center. Yeah. It has eyes in it. It's so freaking awesome. I love it. Yes. I love my, uh, uh crystal addict. Yeah. I'm addicted, like ad- addicted to crystals. It's ridiculous. My, my addiction, but so sure. let's talk about your addiction bill. Um, sure. I can't even see you as an addict because you're so Zen mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. knowledgeable and so spiritual, sp- spiritual. Tell us about the old bill. Yeah, the old bill started at 12 years old, like many of us, you know, um, parents would have parties and I'd help myself to the drinks laying around on the table. Um, That quickly led to, um, you know, what we consider heavy drug use, especially at 13, 14 years old. Um, The whole gamut back then, uh, there's not much out there that I didn't try Um, that continued to progress. As we know, the disease is a progressive disease. And so from the time I was 12 until I was 20, I went uh, three times the speed of the average addict, I'm quite sure. And, um, and now have um, been blessed by uh, having not released those memories. 
the, all of the things that happened, all of the things that I did were a part of that uh, using. Um, so, you know, at that age, especially 12 to 15, you lose your adolescence and the development period is gone. And so I had the hardest battle for me was to recover that later in life. Um, there's not much that I haven't done like most of us. I won't bore you with the war stories. I can tell you I've been in and out of prison a few times, not ashamed to say it, uh, directly related with using and drinking. Um, very fortunate not to have um, um, paid the heavy expenses that some of us out there are paying. And those heavy expenses can be, you know, if something results in a death of another. Um, I, I was uh, forgiven those expenses, although I did pay a heavy price and was able to pull some of that back. I've, I've been so blessed in my recovery and it took a while, Jen, it took a, a long while for that to happen. Um, and so without getting too deep into the story, I can just tell you that, that uh, there's things that I can relate to with the drugs that are out there today that I didn't encounter. Um, there's a parallel. Doesn't matter the drug. There's a parallel there, and, and I suffer just as much as those out there today. Of course, I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter when you know. Um, and so, let's see, how many years sobriety do you have? Yeah, we're coming up on uh, 35 years, Jen. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just uh, had an emotional reaction, you know, because. Uh, because that's uh, that's that's the compassion that I've given myself. The overwhelming reaction is to realize, hey, you know, I've been there almost thirty-five years, so about a month away. You guys, thirty-five years of sobriety. So when I'm on social media and I do that hashtag, recovery is possible. I'm always like, hey, bullshit. Yeah, recovery is <laughs> possible. So what what's your message we all know i relapsed recently we all know i'm struggling i'm, yeah. I'm having a freaking bitch of a time and sure. i come to you for spiritual advice and in sedona you did so much great meditations and the connecting and the the uh the the tai chi and yeah. all that stuff you do so amazing help us those that need a little connection, a little help. Sure. Well, don't think that 35 years came all at once, you know, and um and that was after um like I said, in and out of prison three times, get out of a sentence, go to a rehab the first time, get kicked out early for misbehaving, um, stayed out there about six months clean anyhow, just because uh, of probably determination and then fell off. So I've had that relapse. And then um, and a couple of times in between where I would be on that fence, come in and out. And then finally uh, had an intervention on the 12th of August and in, uh, in, in, sorry, 12th of August, 12th of November in 86, where it was a near death experience in an automobile head on into a truck, just narrowly escaped, threw everything away. All the drugs went away. And I made that choice to go into to the second rehab. So it was at that point where I knew the transition. I know now the transition happened. I didn't know it then. I just knew I was getting out of that fearful place that I was living in. Uh, that was a hard relapse for me, uh, that, that second relapse, because I was out there about a year and a half. And so um, when I had that near-death experience and I entered into rehab, I did it because I wanted it. And I think that's the key if we try to get into recovery to please family or for geometric, you know, the, the cure geographical cure where we want to move to get out of what we're in, the situation we're in, it's uh, it, the odds are against us. You have to really find that deep down desire inside 
um, which, which is the motivation to get into the meetings and to follow the program and to stay strong. So moving forward a couple of years after I got a rehab where I was extended in a, a week, I think I made up for that week. I got kicked out early in the first one. Um, I found a, uh, found a halfway house right away in Louisiana. It was not the best place for me. Two weeks later, I'm out of there, but I'm still diligent and very strong in my personal dedication to myself for the recovery. And again, that is very important. And I'd like people to hear that message. Be dedicated to yourself. Um, I went into another halfway house and stayed there. I was supposed to be there six months and they released me after three months, probably because I was a pain in the ass. Mostly (laughs) because I'll never forget Jerry Kahn at the 13th Step House in Fort Wayne, Indiana, who told me, Bill, of all people that I've released early, I think you're the one that I can release with confidence knowing you're going to make it. And that was when Jerry had 13 years sobriety. And and I'll never forget, I still have my coin from uh, that was stamped at that at that halfway house. So um, those first two years were critical, Jen. And and if if I can relay a message out there to people that are in their first few days or first few weeks or months, you know, don't let go of the sight of uh, two years because. You know, we all think uh, 90 days is our benchmark. One year is our benchmark. We don't get to two years without getting through that first 30 days, 90 days, that one year benchmark. So how do you do it when you feel hopeless or you're, you're, yeah. you're, you're restless, irritable and discontent? And so like, this is what happened to me. It was like, I was so miserable. My emotions were so crazy. It was like, yeah. I, I, I just, I, I, I was, I was out of my skin. I was sure. out of my skin. So what's natural for me to do is to go to something and like you're saying, be not be true to yourself, but to take care of yourself and all that. I I, I don't have the tools for that. When you're in that place, you can't even do that. Now it's a very good point. And it's something that we have to find. We got to find the tools in the program on the phone with sponsors on the phone with other addicts, somebody that's not in recovery that understands us. And we have to find the strength to reach out and ask them for some guidance, not help. When we ask for help, it's like I'm admitting something's wrong with me. There's there's nothing wrong with us, Jim. You know, some of us just need guidance. So we reach out for that guidance and then we gain the tools. And I'll never forget. My mom was so instrumental for me. She would always remind me, you know, that that uh, acronym HALT, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those describe some of the emotions that we go through right before we relapse. So if you're hungry, feed yourself. That doesn't mean just food. If you're hungry for some something spiritual, go find it. Take a walk out into nature. Make a bond. Take some seeds and, and feed a bird. Make a bond and feed that spiritual self so that hungry ghost feels as if it's not overpowering us. You know, are you angry? Talk it through. Ask somebody for forgiveness. Find out why you're angry. Is it because you're feel fearful? And uh, don't be lonely. Surround yourself with others and don't be tired. And if you are all of those things, it's a critical moment for you to identify. I don't have what it's going to take to get through this emotional trigger. So being aware is the key. Awareness is the key, Jen, in recovery. When one can become aware of where they are in their whole self, then they can uh, avoid those things that take us down. Usually they're distractions and the emotional triggers are a big distraction. So. In early recovery, as you know, um, you know, the program's very spiritual and some people don't even get sober through the program. Sure. Um, and there's no human power that could relieve our alcoholism, right? Right. 
I truly believe that. So how we were, you know, we, we had a discussion, you know, before the podcast a little bit about early recovery and finding that spirituality. And can you, can you tell us a little bit about how, how we could do that? How I can do that. Help me, help me get spiritual. Help me find God, please. Uh, I I got my crystals. I got my bowls. I got my, you know what you have? And I'm still frigging crazy. You have tools for um, spiritualism. Let's not, let's not go into, um, the different religions, Buddhism, Hinduism, Christianity, all these religions that are there that really confuse some of us, especially early on. If we're in the program, we talk about a higher power. And then we see in the steps things that refer back to God. When we've had none of that in life, we've rejected that. We don't understand that. And we still don't. And even myself as a spiritual guide for over 15 years, having been a disciple of a spiritual master for seven years, guess who's still confused? First one to admit it, I am. Yet, I don't let that divert me. In, in fact, I continue seeking. They say that the spiritual person should always seek to know more so that you can strengthen your own feelings, not your own beliefs. Be careful what you believe in. It will disappoint you. But know what you feel. And so if we look at the word alcoholism, That means that there has been things placed in our whole self that cause us to have that. And we know it's a disease and it's a disease of of alcoholism. When you take that aspect away from the life, you've removed something that we were dependent on. You have to replace it with something new that you can depend on. And there's nothing wrong with an ism. There's nothing wrong with the religions. What's wrong is when we are not open-minded enough to seek our own comfortable version of spiritualism, spirituality. doesn't mean I'm a spiritual person. doesn't mean that I'm all this above and beyond. I'm not. I have my days. I still get angry. I still cuss. I still get frustrated, want to walk away from my duties. What I have is another tool, Jen, and I have this tool through the spiritual aspects that I have found that I apply. To my daily um, sadhana is a word of a spiritual practice. It's a daily practice. We something we do maybe at the same time, or at least we do something every day. And, and what so language is sadhana? Sanskrit. Sadhana is, comes from the Sanskrit language, and it's a and it's a beautiful word that remind us to to do uh, the sadhana our way, or as we can incorporate different things that we've been taught. Myself, I like to light an incense, invoke uh, that divine energy. I like to light a candle. Reminds me to focus on one thing. Trataka meditation means uh, staring at one point. It can be one point of light. It can be the moon at night. If you can stare at something for one minute without being distracted to walk away, you can meditate for three minutes. If you can meditate for three minutes without walking away, you can get through the next desire, that next burning desire to use because it's only going to last a few seconds, 30 seconds, a few minutes, usually those desires where we fall down and relapse, it happens within a minute. You make up your mind, you're giving it. So yes, it's, it's, it's the impulsivity. So if I'm like going crazy, I'm like, Oh my God, I I have to have a drink or whatever. Light a candle and stare at it. Yes. Why not? You know, if you pick up the phone and sponsor, I'm gonna keep a candle in my friggin' purse. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a whole bag of those tea candles and carry them around in a sack, man. (laughs) I'll be lighting them all day. That's your tools, Uh, and so then we have 
tools. That's why I always encourage people in recovery to go for a walk, find and bond with something in nature, because that moment that you have will replace and you'll be fulfilled. It'll replace the moment you have where you've since lost. Hey, let's face it. My best friend went out the window when I flushed it down the toilet because I quit. You know, and for two weeks, I had to go to the family doctor to take chemicals to replace the ones that I was taking so my body wouldn't go into a terrible reaction. I, I went into that terrible reaction. I went into the cocaine psychosis. And then little by little, I started to find things to replace because it is a big loss, Jen. Listen, it's a big loss when we lose our way of life, our lifestyle, everything we thought was us. It's really a loss of the identity through the, through the addict mind that is so strong that gets torn and separated. So when you replace that separation with a bond of something out there, I love the fact that we call it a higher power. I look at it as something greater than myself, something stronger than myself. But that same strong energy that's greater than myself is in myself. When we see namaste in yoga, that's what that means. That strength in me, that light in me, honors and respects the same light in you. Hey, you know what? Every addict out there has that great strength. And when we enter recovery, it shifts from being a place of restriction and not being able to shine and come out to a place of, hey, look who I am today. And then as that guy gets his 30 day chip and he's real proud, the guy that's come in for two days going, man, what's up with that guy? That guy at 30 days has a new charisma. The guy with two days, he wants to have that. So maybe they'll talk. You know what? That's how it happens. That's how that light begins to burn brighter and brighter. So be that light. That's what I encourage. Both the guy with two days and two years, 30 years, doesn't matter. Time doesn't matter. It's like the ripple effect. It is a ripple. ripple. Yeah. Yeah, We have to surround ourselves with others. Yeah. Yeah, We do. Which is hard to do for some today. You know, it's hard for those that are in isolation to surround themselves with others that are like them because maybe they're suffering from anxiety still. I suffer from anxiety for six months after I entered into my final recovery. Well, let's hope it's the final recovery, right? The recovery track that I'm on. And for six months, I couldn't go outside. Eventually I could go outside with a parent or someone, a friend that was close to me. And and I suffered from anxiety. Didn't even know what it was. Never went to a doctor, never got on any kind of chemicals to, uh, to alleviate that. I suffered through it and you don't have to suffer through it today. Yeah. Anxiety is so debilitating for me. And that's where, I mean, that that's where I use when I don't know how to manage my anxiety. Sure. And okay. So let's, let's just do this. If you're feeling anxious and you want to use there, you you get the candle. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you want to put us through if you're driving? Don't do it. Right. Do you want to put us through maybe like a 60 second? Like if you're suffering from anxiety and everyone is always like, Jen, I don't know how to meditate. I don't know how to, how do you meditate? And I always say there's no wrong way of meditating. You know, I always say that people complicate it so much. Um, But can you just put us through a very simple meditation 101 for anxiety in like 60 seconds? So we could just all experience. Sure. Yeah, I'll share with you uh, my favorite one when I'm on a passenger plane and I see somebody has a little bit of anxiety from flying. So the first thing I tell them is, hey, take your fingers and put all your fingertips together. Try that, Jen. Put all your fingertips together and then press a little bit so they're lined up and then just release until you feel uh, just such a light pressure there and then relax the hands. 
leaving the hands there with the fingertips gently pressed, all of a sudden, some of the anxiety goes away. It's a natural effect. So fucking weird. So weird, right? You're like, you feel calm immediately. So that's a, a mudra. A mudra is an energetic practice that we can do with the hands and fingers. That is a preface to those of us that have a hard time going into meditation. The next thing you can do, and you can do this while, while driving, is you can breathe. So that's why most meditation teachers say, hey, focus on the breath at the tip of the nose as we go into meditation. So as you hold this mudra, now you breathe at the tip of the nose and feel the breath coming in the nostrils. Exhaling through the nostrils. And feel the cool air as you inhale. And recognize cool air on the inhalation, changing to warm air on the exhalation. And notice how much more calm you just found yourself with just two inhalations and exhalations with the breath and the mudra combined. It's all you need to do in 60 seconds. You can do that with just placing the fingertips, a few inhalations and exhalate. The key is recognizing being aware of the inhalation, the temperature and being aware of the exhalation and the temperature. The temperature. That's interesting. I never heard that before. I never heard that before. Yeah, but it's just like there is no temperature. Well, yeah, right. And uh, and when you finally become so aware that you do recognize the difference in the cool air arriving and the warmer air departing, you know, master used to tell us, be careful what somebody teaches you, because if you don't feel something within the first minute, first five minutes, if it's a long meditative practice, something's wrong with the teaching. So I'm careful to teach that, which is uh, tangible so that we can feel it. And not believe in it. So I can tell you, hey, believe me, this works. But until you place the fingertips and until you breathe with the temperature recognition, you don't feel anything. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you did the, the physical thing. I mean, I've had people on here before. I'm like, put us through a meditation. And it's just always like, OK, close your eyes. Picture the light. You know, that was just sure. awesome what you did. Thank you. And it, and it really it really um, it really works. You know, I, I love that. There's yeah, I mean, I'm all about Reiki. I'm a re- like Reiki is like um, all about I love it because I can feel it. I know you are. Yeah. And you're lit up, you know, and, and listen, you need to practice that more and you need to give that gift to others and show them, hey, just relax and feel what you feel. If they look for something, they're going to look for whatever it is that they're looking for. But when they feel something that's completely different. And when you go into that meditative state and apply Reiki, they're going to feel that there's another mantra, another mudra that comes with a mantra that is really nice. And if you can see, I've just interlaced my fingers and I'm pulling as hard as I can try that. This is a Ganesha. Some people are just listening on Spotify. If you are, let's explain how do we do it? Well, I'll explain it in a little depth. I'm going to take my right hand and curl the fingers and my left hand and curl the fingers. And I'm going to interlock the fingers. And then I'm going to pull apart and I'm not going to allow anything to separate. And I feel the tension in the shoulders. And now I'm going to uh, use the Ganesha. This is Ganesha Mudra and a Ganesha Mantra. That's a Sanskrit mantra to remove obstacles. So it's real simple. It's Om Gam Ganapataye Namaha. Om Gam Ganapataye Namaha. Om Gam Ganapataye Namaha. Perfect. If it's too difficult to remember, Om Ganesha is just fine. Om Ganesha. Ganesha. And at the end of that, you say Om Ganesha, you release and you rotate the hands around and you interlock the other way, the opposite. Om Ganesha. And then pull as hard as you can, Jen. Recognize the obstacles. 
Maybe there's an obstacle to your recovery. Ask Ganesha to remove that. Om Ganesha. Ganesha. Who is Ganesha? Om Ganesha. Right. And now release the hands and feel how relaxed you are across the chest and the shoulders. Recognize that you just removed the obstacle. You were holding on to something and you let go. How much freedom do you have right now? It feels great. It, it does. It feels great because when we look at some of the esoteric practices and we look at some of the practices that are foreign to us and we keep it simple, you know, Ganesha is the, uh, is, is the half child with a belly and, and legs and he's, and he's elephant on the top and he has big ears and he's missing, missing a tusk. Oh, I know. I, okay. I've seen, yeah, the statues. He's yeah. cute. <laughs> and we see those in a lot of the yoga studios and everybody loves Ganesha because Ganesha loves everybody. He especially loves children and, and uh, he takes care of the children. And all we have to do is go to him and say, hey, remove an obstacle. So, you know, that's kind of hard to fall into if that's foreign to you. And I don't mean to get into the airy fairy stuff. But uh, as I learned, no, more I love the airy fairy stuff. I like friggin' I, I, I drink that Kool-Aid all day long. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Well, um, let's we, we got into the airy fairy stuff when we started using, you know, we didn't know anything about the drugs we were using. We used them anyway because we liked how they made us feel. When you learn about Ganesha and you do the Ganesha mudra and you release and say the mantra Om Ganesha, you're going to feel something. And I guarantee you to feel similar to the way we did uh, when we were doing some of the some of the drugs we did out there, you know, I love that. And I also love what you said about how, yeah, we did the drugs. We didn't know what we were doing. So, I mean, a lot of times I'll do mantras um, and I'll say, I don't even know what I'm saying. What is it? It doesn't matter what I'm saying. You still no. get the effect. I don't know. Like, what my drugs are laced with. I'm still getting the effect. It's got a stretch, but um, so explain like some people that, that listen, cause I, I just know, like I get emails and I get questions and I did, I get, a, I got quite a few questions about mantras. Cause I, I've mm -hmm. talked about mantras a couple of times. Cause right. there's a guy that I love um, David G. I talk about him all the time. I love him. Mm -hmm. He's my boyfriend. He just doesn't know it. Um, <laughs> Good and he does uh a lot of mantras and I've learned a lot of mantras from him and it's the same mm -hmm. thing. I'm doing these mantras. Now he explains what they are, what they say, but right. what, like, what's the effect? Fantastic. So let's break it down a little bit. Where does a mantra come from? Really most mantras today that we hear are um, depends on the language. And if there's a particular language is in, in, and it applies to a particular religion um, you may hear a mantra in Tibetan uh, Sanskrit. You may hear a mantra in Japanese or a mantra in, in American. There's Christian mantras. They're all vibrations. The original mantras, the oldest mantras come from the Sanskrit language, which is based in vibrational sounds, which shift the energies and the vibration of the energy to achieve its goal. When you combine the syllables in a mantra, um, Om Gam Ganapataye Namaha, each one of those syllables is a vibration and that shifts the inner energy of the whole self. So mantras are just that, they're wholesome for us. And they, when they're said with intention, they have uh, definite meanings and those meanings can be applied with an intention to uh, release something, to receive something, to um, forgive, to uh, offer love. Um, so one of my favorite mantras is um, a mantra that I learned from Master Sunyata when I was training with him. And 
he um, expressed this as his highest. Oh, him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes. So uh, so he was a, um, a, a beautiful teacher and uh, he shared with us uh, the, the Om Mani Padme Hum mantra. And that's the uh, mantra of compassion. And so we see it often on the uh, Asian lineages. Um, I wear a bracelet today. I don't know if the viewers can see that. That's in the camera. gorgeous. That's the Sanskrit um, symbols for Om Mani Padme Hum. And uh, I'll break it down. It it's, translates directly to the jewel in the center of the lotus. Well, the Om is that divine inspiration. Mani is the jewel. Padme is the lotus. Hum is um, descending into the body. So when we look at the mind as our jewel, and, right, the, the wisdom shines. That's the jewel in the center of the lotus. That's money is the jewel. Padme is the lotus. Padme is, is the mind. The, the jewel in the mind is the wisdom that we take in through Hume, and it's divine wisdom. It can, so, be, it can be knowledge. So if I've learned how to forgive, and I know that it's not for me, but it's for another, I'm giving something to another, that's compassion. The highest form of compassion is so simple. It means making another more important than yourself, as you've done for me today, Jen. Thank you for allowing me to feel important and to be invited on your podcast. You were compassionate in doing so. So uh, it doesn't mean going and giving somebody on the street corner a dollar because you feel sorry for them. That's not compassion. Compassion often is applied to ourself. If I can forgive myself for what I've done, I offer myself loving compassion. I've made myself more important today. That's very, very influential for the addict who's still suffering. Allow yourself to be so compassionate that you don't use today. Yeah. And <laughs> the better I get, the better I can be so I can be service to others. Beautiful. Absolutely. That's the whole idea behind being a, a bodhisattva, the compassionate uh, Buddha inside of us that gives to another. Even if you're giving your time at a meeting and in that meeting, you're giving somebody uh, what's happened to you. Maybe it happened to them and they see how you came through it without using. That's a form of being a bodhisattva, being compassionately present to give to another so that they can take the gift, which is that wisdom, the jewel. Do you have any like recommendations if somebody wants to get into like mantras and stuff and learn Sanskrit and. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah I like do. I do. Give us, give us some, um, give us some hacks, and then I'll, I'll, I'll post them too. Yeah, great. Yeah, listen, and um, by all means, if you get some questions back on an email and you need them answers for answered, forward them to me, and I'll get the correct answer. So, okay. there's many mantras. They are can be one word. They can be an entire book. They're generally uh, found in scriptures, the religious scriptures that have been translated. Most of the mantras are translated so that we can understand them. But I've always said, keep it simple. And the more simple you can keep that, the better, because it can be overwhelming. So if I were to say <clears throat> a mantra that is an invocation of uh, divine wisdom and divine presence, um, it can be a very long mantra and it might be confusing. It's very pleasing to listen to. I'll give you an example. Omakanda mandalakaram nananjanan characharam tatparam darshitam jena taismai shri guruve namaha om guru brahma guru vishnu guru devo maheshwara guru sakshat param brahma taismai shri guruve namaha. 
So okay, now you're just showing off. I'm sorry. Even and I don't mean to show off, and I'm not. I'm just I'm kidding, Bill. I'm so I love it. I'm so it's, I want to do that. So you're talking about my, you know, a guy that whose mantra used to be is like, "How much for that, man?" You know, can, <laughs> can I get a pinch? Listen, I got goosebumps when I said that mantra. And when you say a mantra or hear a mantra, and you get goosebumps. That's a darshan moment. That means there's a moment where divinity has entered. You've done the ahum, the uh, entering of the divine. You've allowed no. that to happen. Om ahum, om mani padme hum. So when I just said this, uh, this, this mantra, which was an invocation for divinity to be present, if you felt that and something shifted in you, it's because those vibrations in that mantra hit home. They struck a nerve, so to speak. So get on YouTube, enter mantra for compassion. See what comes up. Get on YouTube and enter mantra for forgiveness, uh, mantra for divine inspiration, mantra for whatever it is you're going through and see what comes up and then click and listen. And as you listen to that, just close the eyes and allow those vibrations to enter the whole self. And then see how you feel. That's the key, Jen. Awareness as to how you feel after you've heard the mantra. Mm. Awareness is the key. And if you want to learn and you ask for the mantra of knowledge, you'll probably come up in YouTube with Saraswati, the goddess of knowledge, responsible for giving us knowledge. And you might see the Namastubium mantra. And it's uh, wonderful. It's what you're doing. You know, you're a Saraswati. I see that. I see that in you. You're the <laughs> goddess of knowledge. You're sharing your knowledge with others by asking others to come on and give you the knowledge that we have. So other addicts out there in recovery and maybe addicts that are using Jen are watching today. And they're like, you know, maybe that guy's right. Maybe I just need to open my mind a little bit and, and burn an incense and allow something that I don't understand to be present. And maybe that one person uh, finds recovery today. And you notice how emotional I just got. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, I want, I, yeah. And I, so I want to know everything. And yeah. And, and it's there so are, important. it's, it's like when I walk into a crystal store, just the energy, if they're playing over the, you know, speak or whatever, if they're playing like, Oh, you know, the music they play and they have the incense burning and everything, it's almost like fake it. till you make it kind of, I guess, just like keep, keep doing it until, until you feel it. But yeah. I, when I meditate, I like, I, I am feeling the feels like meditation really it works for me. It, it works, works for me as well. It works yeah, for me. You I see it, that. You know what it allows me to do? You know, it allows me to deal with society the way it is today, the way that the world is presented to me today when I want to change it and I don't want to accept it. If I sit down and meditate for a few minutes, maybe I say a mantra, maybe I light a candle. After the meditation, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to take on what comes at me. Yeah. I, I have to tell you too, an update, the nature thing, because when I was in Sedona, Bill was like, you have to get in nature every day. Because I'm an isolator and I just like to lay in bed and watch Netflix and be depressed. That's like what I like to do. Um, and I have to say that I've gotten in nature almost every day. I go to the beach. I went to that one park you told me to go to. Like, even if I'm walking the dog, I'm, I'm like so mindful. And it totally changes the energy, you know, yeah, it does. completely changes the energy. Um, I mean, th this stuff is amazing. And if, if you guys want to go deeper and I'm not, this is not a sales pitch. It's actually just like uh, offering you a gift and something that I did. And Bill was almost like, don't even bring this up because he doesn't want to sound, you know. But so Bill and his girlfriend, they do these uh, retreats that are so friggin' amazing. When's the next retreat? I mean, like 
I've never climbed a mountain in my life. I, I, I climbed a mountain. There were like 60 year old, 70 year old, not six, 70 year olds climbing mountains on the retreat. You know, we did this thing. We had this like amazing musician. Okay. She was like, she was awesome. She was an addict too. And she was like completely spiritual. And we all had a circle. This was the most compelling moment for me. Cause I'm so like, mm -hmm. um, I've just moved by music and we did this circle where she just started playing guitar and everyone had an instrument. And then someone had like a shake, like some kind of maraca. And I had my Tibetan singing drum and then everybody would just start. And then at the end, everybody had their, you know, their thing playing. So it was like our own mantra, our own music. And we were all like this, the group just, we all like, we're so connected and we're all in this circle looking at each other with this like crazy music. And the energy in there was unexplainable the feel like i my, my, the tears were rolling down me i was like sobbing it was so spiritual touching and, and we didn't get any of it on video i i mean i video and, and 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 take pictures of every single thing and that was the one thing that i didn't but i think it's good because if i did maybe i wouldn't have had that feeling but like that was friggin intense like this retreat man the food was amazing and uh sedona like th they just know every nook and cranny of that place um top notch shit so tell us about the next one yeah thank you so much jen really it's uh it's a pleasure and and we look forward to um to hosting several retreats the uh the energy in sedona is fantastic joy does such a wonderful job organizing the event with catered food we had vegetarian food nobody complained it was so nice um big house with a pool we had a lot of time to relax after those uh, exhausting climbs and they were demanding, right? There were some demanding climbs. And what people find is they're able to do something that they don't think they're able to do. They're able to complete something that they thought they would fail. And uh, listen, you know, and for those that don't make it to the top, they made it as far as they can make it. They did the best they could. So we, we like to incorporate yoga twice a day and it's yoga for everybody. Um, meditations, uh, Tai Chi, Qigong, and uh, so the next one's coming up in March, and I'm quite sure that that will sell out fast. Joyce talking about putting two groups together or doing week to week, back to back so that we can stay out there and and, um, and serve everyone that wants to be with us. We're going to do some local stuff here in Florida. Uh, we do on a weekly basis. We do something uh, at one of the local temples or a local park. And, um, you know, those kind of shift from time to time. Uh, once things start opening up after the restrictions are lifted, then, uh, we'll, we'll have more access to more places and we can do some, uh, two day or weekend, uh, retreats. And these are dynamic. These are, uh, so influential for our personal growth. Uh, we learn, um, what, what I like to do is I like to incorporate why we meditate, how to get there, why it's so frustrating, why we feel we can't do it, and then give people the tools so that they can go and start their meditation practice so that they can understand what a yoga practice is. And the yoga is a lot more than just being flexible and, and turning circles on a mat. Um, that it's a way of life. And that way of life is right there parallel with the way of life and recovery. They complement each other. And in fact, you know, uh, kudos to anybody out there doing um, uh, yoga for 12-step uh, program because there is uh, yoga specific for 12-step program. And, um, and there's a lot of yoga out there that applies to the different uh, facets of life that um, even once you're in recovery, you know, listen, don't think at 35 years, I'm not suffering. I don't know that I've, uh, I don't know that I, maybe I missed a step or two and, and maybe I need to go back and do some more work. I'm sure that I do. 
I'm a mess some days. <laughs> well, well you're human that last time I checked. <laughs> yeah. But the tools that I've learned through uh, studying some of the um, spiritual practices that I do, the sadhanas that I mentioned um, through some of the yoga practices, that's where we get it in a retreat is where you it means to return home. Retreat means return home. And it gives us a chance to return home, to be with the self as we truly are. Everybody, did you notice at the retreat, Jen? Everybody was exactly who they were. They're, all the masks came off. Everyone got on. People made bonds and friendships that I'm quite sure will last the rest of their life. It's a beautiful place. It's a great way to do it. And uh, so look forward to spending some time and having you out there and sharing time with you again, Jen. I know it was a critical point in your life. And uh, thank you so much for sharing that with me and allowing me to um, maybe have just opened up another door for you. It looks like it's worked. You look fantastic. I can see that you've been spending time outside in nature. It shows we have that light. We shine and don't stay inside. We just get, you know, kind of shrouded over. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Bill, you're like friggin' rock star status. Amazing. Uh, Um, Thank you. I, I can talk to you all day, but we just had a podcast about ADD and I'm so ADD. I can't, I can't go past like 30 minutes, but anyway, um, that was just so much knowledge, um, so much everything. I am so honored to have had you on Sober Exposure and 35 years is like friggin' ridiculous. And if anybody wants to reach out to you, how do they do that? Wide open, you know, just uh, make it happen, Jen. Uh, they can come through you or they can connect to me on my email. Uh, my email, the word Zio Zen is spelled Z-I-O-Z-E-N, then the number 55 at Gmail. So zeozen 55 at gmail.com. Send me an email, reach out. And uh, if you want to talk you just shoot me a phone number and I'll, I'll give you a call back. It's no problem. Uh, yeah. Good yeah, stuff hey, as you know, especially for those that are in recovery and struggling. And if it means, you know, one more phone call or somebody didn't answer, you call me and um, I'll spend the time with my brothers and sisters out there, whatever it takes to keep somebody from going back out in the streets. Cause that's how I keep from going back out in the streets myself. Bill. Oh, hey, Jen. <laughs> Namaste. Namaste. Awesome. Brahmasmi, baby. <laughs> I am the universe. All right. Thank you so much. Sober Exposure with me, Jennifer Wild, Bill, and we'll see you next week. Have a blessed day. Need more? Of course you do. The show's all about needing more. Go to my website at soberexposure.show or get stuck on my Instagram at soberexposure underscore podcast. <laughs>